Hello, and welcome to It's a Twin Thing podcast. A podcast where twins, me, Libby, and me, Kate, explore life, relationships, well-being, mental health, and everything in between. Each week, we will deliver relatable content that you can connect with, from discussing our own experiences about the topics we love to guest interviews. So join us for this week's fun and informative conversation. Now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of It's the Twin Thing podcast. Thank you for joining us for our second episode. We're really excited to have you here and looking forward to this juicy conversation ahead. Yes, thank you, Kate. We're very excited to be here for episode number two and we hope people are tuning in for today's episode. It's going to be a goodie. Wherever you are, don't forget to tag us in your story so we can know that you're joining us. Let us know what you think and what you liked about the episode and let's get straight into it. Alrighty. So how are you doing today? I am good. It is a really nice sunny day here in New Zealand. I've been literally working online in the sunshine all day. I'm a sucker for a lovely sunny day after winter, especially. How about you? Yeah, who isn't? Very lucky you can sort of do your job from anywhere. I know, I'm so grateful for that. I am very good too, actually. I've snuck away to the bedroom to do this, so I'm just lying on my bed with a iced uh, soy coffee because it's a hot day. Oh, a <laughs> An ice latte, so I am ready to go. I am um, currently sipping on... What is it? It's carrot, lemon, apple, orange, and ginger juice. And mm. energy booster. You can't tell, but I'm holding it up to show Libby here. <laughs> Looks good. Are you feeling a bit under the weather? Yeah, I think just because it's been winter and it's getting hot, um, there's that change of seasons, you know? Yeah. It messes Going with your body one a little extreme bit. to yeah. another. <laughs> but just taking all the precautionary measures so that I don't get sick as well. You have to boost that immunity, girlfriend. <laughs> Keep it boosted. Yes, indeed. But yes, I'm good too. It's Sunday here, so we've just been for a nice bushwalk this morning, and now I've come home to get into this. Woohoo. I feel like no matter where in the world you are, there's a Sunday vibe. Like it's oh, just definitely. a day to enjoy. Coming into summer, it's October. You're feeling good. <laughs> Over here in the southern hemisphere. Maybe there's people listening on the other side of the world who are currently going into winter. Yes, Perhaps. that's true. <laughs> the beauty of life in the four seasons. <laughs> opposite sides of the world. Wow. If you are on the upper opposite side of the world, hello. Thank you for joining us. Hello. <laughs> Alrighty, hello, so hello. enough chitter chatter. Let's get into it. Our rose and thorn of the week. Would you like to start? One good thing that happened? Yeah, I'll start. Um, my rose that happened this week is I made myself a tattoo. I practiced starting to make tattoos a while ago, and it's just one of my favorite things to do in the world. So any chance I can make a tattoo on myself or someone else, it is a highlight. Absolutely. So what do you actually use to tattoo to yourself? Do you have a gun, a needle? No, I make hand poke tattoos. So Which just the needle what? only. For the people that don't know like me. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of using a gun, which uses electricity and plugs into the wall and is done automatically, um, you do it single poke. 
poke by poke by poke. So you make lots of little dots to create the line rather than using the gun, which creates the line for you. Is it like a needle? Yeah, it's exactly a needle. It's a singular needle which has multiple needle points in it. You can get different sizes, but I just use a couple of different sizes. And Ouch. yeah. But I'm glad you enjoy that. That is a highlight if that's what you enjoy doing. Yeah. And my thorn of the week, my pain point, would be that we went back into lockdown here where I am in New Zealand. Um, we were in a, they have a level system here from one to four. And we were in level two, but there's COVID cases are on the rise here in New Zealand. So we've gone back into level three. So more restrictions yet again. But as I said before, I'm grateful I can work from anywhere and work from home basically anyway. So it doesn't affect me too much. Yeah. I mean, obviously what a pain in the ass two years later that we're almost still having to deal with lockdowns. But anyway, (laughs) get me started. One good thing that happened to Mo this week. <laughs> what happened to you? What happened to Mo this week? One good thing that happened. Um, a good thing that has happened. Um, Hamish and I have gone back to the gym this week again, which is that is a good thing to me because we've been able to sort of get back to some sort of regular routine of exercise. So that actually has made me feel so good, especially you know when the weather's getting nicer here and it just feels good to be able to move the body absolutely and uh, going yeah build that right. strength build that booty <laughs> booty gains y'all <laughs> <laughs> and one thing that has been more difficult um would probably be I've just been trying to find a balance between work and being a mum and Poppy. It's been a rough few weeks. She's been going through this regression, like I said last time, but it's still continuing. <laughs> but she has actually been a bit better. She's literally got like four teeth coming through at once. So no wonder. Yeah. I saw a so, photo of Poppy with her little baby teeth coming through and she literally has teeth coming through. <laughs> it's so cute. I'll never get over it. I know. She's got such a dorky little smile. It's adorable. Yeah, it's really cute. So before we get into the rest of the episode, we wanted to tell you what we're going to be talking about today, which is Kate living through a pandemic in India and all things of Kate's life in India, what she does there, why you chose to move there, and all of people's deep and dying questions around India, COVID, and how you got home all the way back to New Zealand, finally a year later. (laughs) Woohoo, yeah, it should be a fun conversation I've never really expressed it out loud to anyone completely so I'm looking forward but first let's talk about something that is really popular on the planet right now the most viewed series I think now on Netflix people have probably heard of it what's it called Libby Squid Game (laughs) if you haven't heard of Squid Game right now you must be living under a rock because I think it's number one in 90 different countries and everybody's talking about it for good and bad reasons yeah if you haven't watched it then it's definitely recommended what is it about Libby um so squid game I would say is sort of based on anti-capitalism um it's like a modern day version of the hunger games where players choose to participate but the players that choose to participate are all sought after by the makers of the games. And they're all people that are either really poor 
um, in huge amounts of debt or have nothing else to live for and they participate in a series of games and when they participate in the games it's literally like they are killing them as they're playing so it's a life to the game death. so what would have been an innocent game one by one all getting eliminated which is getting killed or dying to the point where there are the winners that win billions of Korean won which I'm not sure what that is in US dollars or New Zealand or Australian dollars, but I would imagine a lot. Yeah, it's millions of dollars anyway. So what are your takes on Squid Game? Because I know a lot of people have different opinions on it. I really liked it, but I am very much someone who likes thrillers and horrors anyway. I think it's sad because it shows the desperation of people, which actually reflects into the reality in the world we live in, in which the links that people will go to in order to have money or something that they do not have, you know, they would literally put their lives on the line in order to get money. I think it is a really good view on humans in the day and age we live in, a lot of greed and consumption and sort of people would do anything to get ahead in life and in any way systems in place. It is extremely, extremely gruesome. So I literally cannot watch any of the gruesome parts, like all the killings, but it's just so fucked up. You just could not even believe what went through that man's mind when he created it. Absolutely. And I think it shows the extent of the world we live in as well, in which like we're so used to seeing so much death and killing through movies and television up to this point that like it's kind of normal and that in itself is frightening to me that like billions and millions whatever amount of people in the world are actually watching this show which is horrific so even if you haven't watched it you'll just have to watch it because you want to know what everyone else is talking about (laughs) yeah and it is korean and i always find it hilarious Um, Like I prefer to watch subtitles rather than English dubbed versions of things because, you know, the English voiceovers are just hilarious, but they're fine on this one. I think like it's nice. Yeah, I definitely watched it with the subtitles um, because I think we put it on the English version and like the mouths just don't match what they're saying. And I was like, I could not do this. (laughs) Yeah. So if you haven't, then 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah, loved it. Do recommend. Probably wouldn't watch it again, but I'm looking forward to season two whenever that is two years away perhaps (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, something else we wanted to talk about on the podcast on a bit more of a serious note is october is mental health month yes it is mental health month in australia and just a wonderful time to bring attention to mental health and the stigma around it i know particularly in western countries and New Zealand and Australia so many of us as individuals don't speak up when perhaps we need to because we think it might not be a big deal or we feel like we don't have the people around us who will understand and just want to encourage everyone to always speak up and talk to a loved one talk to someone if you feel as though you're going through a difficult time. Yes, we are going to be covering a whole episode. We do have one planned on mental health. But as I know, we both have suffered from some sort of mental health. Uh, I think Kate still suffers from anxiety. um, And I have to a lesser extent previously. And it's totally nothing to be embarrassed about. I think as long as you have someone you can talk to, a friend, a psychiatrist, as opposed to bottling things up, um, especially in a time where the world is just there's so many uncertainties there's so much that going on 
I think probably more people, more than ever, their mental health is suffering in so many different ways. So yeah, exactly. And just know that you are not alone. There are so many people going through the same thing as, as much as it can feel like you are alone and that you're isolated and different from everyone else, you are not. And your mental health is a priority. So just don't be afraid to reach out if need be. And I think we could honestly talk about this for so long, but as Libby mentioned, we are going to be doing a whole podcast episode on this. So we don't want to talk too much about it but yeah yeah I think that covers it all so let's get into the episode dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Alrighty. so when did you go to India and why did you chose to go there Kate so I first went to India when I was traveling around Southeast Asia and Indonesia and Asia with my ex we were just traveling around as you do seeing the world um, then went to India and I just fell in love straight away we went from the south and traveled up to the north where I finished my first yoga teacher training in 2018 it must have been or the end of 2017 start of 2018 and as I said I just really fell in love with the culture yoga especially is a big reason why I love it there and the lifestyle I guess so when you first went to India, before you went there, what appealed to you about going to visit that country for? I mean, there's so many countries to go to in the world, and I know a lot of people would never visit India. So what made you choose to go there? I think I'm just the type of person who likes to see different things anyway, and rather than doing the standard travel in Europe, live in London for a couple of years, like many of our friends did, which mm. is nothing against that at all, but I just wanted to see something different and see how people in third world countries actually live and see that side of things. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, everyone chooses to go to different places. I know that people were just curious about why India, so I think that covers that one. Um, so what did you do there? Tell us a little bit about the last three years living there and what you have been up to. So basically I have been studying and learning yoga. It's a big priority in my life. Once I did my first yoga teacher training, yoga for me is not just the moves that you do on your yoga mat. It's a way of living and more philosophy about how you live your life basically and you can really feel the root of that and learn from so many wonderful teachers in Rishikesh especially where I was living for a long time and where I did my first yoga teacher training and then my second yoga teacher training so I lived in a yoga school for a month and then I had a decent break and then went back again and did my 300 hour yoga teacher training for another month and I feel like that is really it it has allowed me the freedom to prioritize what I think is important in my life and in life in general I just have um, so many questions <laughs> that just keep on popping to my mind um, I, but I would like you to tell me about Rishikesh and what was the sort of like surroundings like in the area itself that you were in because I feel like people have this idea of India and they just think of it as this big hustle and bustle city that's surrounded by poverty but it actually looks like quite a beautiful place so I would like you to tell us a bit more about the areas that you were actually in and what they are like. 
Yeah. So where I was a lot of the time in Rishikesh is in towards the north of India, um, close to the Himalayas, they call it in the lap of the Himalayas. And so it's not the India that you see in movies. It is a more relaxed place in which tourists come to learn more about themselves and more about life and just relax next to a holy river there, learn yoga. A lot of the students who are doing teacher trainings come to Rishikesh because it's the yoga capital of the world. And I feel like I have just been there so long, I completely forget that that is even what people actually imagine. Because it's yeah, just I, think, I think that's totally what people think. But that brings me to my next question. You own a cafe in Goa, another area of India. So I would like you to tell me a little bit about that cafe where it is and how you even got into that yeah so I'll start with how I actually got into that I was working online and teaching yoga in Rishikesh in the north of India as I said and I was just loving it and I do enjoy my freedom and living over there so I was looking for something in which I could teach yoga half the year and really dive deep into my yoga practice and then the other half of the year work on you know making money in order to live (laughs) and then I had been to Goa a few times before and my friend said there was a raw vegan cafe for sale in Goa and Goa is a seasonal place it's only open for half the year because the rest of the year is monsoon season and it's pretty much inhabitable just because there's so much rain so I got the idea, okay, I'm going to have this cafe half the year and teach yoga and learn yoga the other half of of the year. (laughs) That's obviously not exactly how it's worked out because of life. But yeah, I ended up buying the cafe and I'm just so grateful. I really like it. It's been a huge learning curve for me, but to be able to serve people healthy, raw vegan food in a place which you don't find that kind of food really often. I feel really nice that it has attracted really beautiful people. So tell us about some of the challenges that presented you. You had the first season at the cafe, which was great. You also explained it to me, like it's so westernized there, you almost compared it to Bali. So tell us about your first season, how it went there in comparison to the next season, obviously with COVID and the obstacles that you faced during that. Yeah, so Goa and Arambol in particular, where I have my cafe, it is pretty much like Bali, like it's a real coastal touristy area where lots of people come, particularly people on holiday, people traveling, you know, all the hippies come there. So it is a really lovely crowd. And it's a big contrast to Rishikesh because that is the more relaxed, holy yoga place. But the first season was really nice. It was so much learning because obviously it was this first year I had owned a cafe and it was going really well. The whole season went wonderfully, actually. And then it was the last month in which COVID hit. So that was April of 2020. And so we closed early. I sent all my staff home as quickly as I could so they weren't stuck where we were and yeah pretty much closed Shantaram which is the name of the cafe (laughs) and just waited in lockdown in India and waited and and waited. So for people that don't know obviously the staff they travel down from uh, where do they travel down from? They travel down from Himachal Pradesh which is a state in northern India. So they travel down for the peak tourist seasons to make money to 
be able to literally survive um, and give it to their family for food and things like that, like very basic necessities. So when COVID hit and they had to go home, how much do you think that affected them? Well, I feel like the first season we were really lucky because it was actually near the end of the tourist season. So not as much, but we didn't want to close as early as we did. So a lot, really. Absolutely. So when COVID started to hit in India, all of a sudden we're going about our normal lives and then wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Bam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Why did you choose to stay in India at the start or did you think about coming home? At the start, I was just planning on staying in India because I feel like we didn't really expect it to be as bad as it was. No, nobody really knew it was. Yeah, the extent of what it was going to be like. Exactly. And at that stage, it's like I have been living there for so long. I didn't exactly think about rushing home to New Zealand where I didn't have as much things, you know, my whole life. While your livelihood was there. My partner is there. I had a partner at that, that stage, my partner Rahul, and yeah, I didn't want to just leave, basically. Yeah, so I think at the start, obviously, before things got really bad, it was sort of just a matter of like, okay, you know, I'll wait this thing out a few months, and then I'll be able to return home to normal. Little Absolutely, and it's not like later. I was... <laughs> Exactly. And it's not like I was there scared of COVID or, you know, I was fine where I was. It is just the fact that when I did want to come home because Libby had a baby, I literally couldn't for over a year because of New Zealand's borders. So I think it was sort of March of 2020 that you decided, okay, maybe I should try to start coming home now. Um, The situation was getting worse. And what happened during that stage? Yeah, well, it wasn't until actually April, May, June. It wasn't until about June because you didn't find out you were pregnant until April. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. At that stage, it was actually okay because this we were still just getting out of the first wave of COVID in India and then everything was kind of getting more and more relaxed again. But in that time, I knew, okay, I want to start trying to get back to New Zealand to be or slash and or Australia to be with Libby when she gave birth to her daughter and see my dad and brother and mum and family. And that is when it was just impossible. So flights had definitely stopped at yeah. that stage. There was um, one reputation. That's the one word I can't say as well. Repatriation. Yeah, repatriation <laughs> flight to New Zealand, which was literally $5,000. And, you know, at this stage, I'm not working like a normal job. That is a shit ton of money for me. Yeah, it is a lot of money. In general, Um, yeah. So that wasn't really an option for me. So I thought, okay, I'll wait. Sure. Little did I know that flights would still not be going months and months and months later. And then that is when the second wave of COVID hit and India's cases started spiking again. So that was when people also stopped taking flights from India. Like Emirates just was not taking flights. My flight got cancelled about five times. (laughs) So when New Zealand was finally accepting citizens, I couldn't come because no one would wanted anyone from India. So at this stage, then you had no choice but just to hunker down and be um, in the lockdown. What did India start to look like through the pandemic um what was like the environment like what did the poverty get worse were there people around what were sort of the conditions like there 
Yeah, well, I just want to point out where I live are both very touristy areas. So what you saw on the news, I couldn't actually see in my direct reality, even if it was happening. Like I'm, as much as I am living in India, I'm still living in a privileged bubble, you know? Yes, um, I think that's important to mention because obviously, like, you know, we've all been in lockdowns, but we are still all very privileged. Like we're in lockdowns with roofs over our head. We've exactly. got food in the pantries. You can still go to the supermarket. But these yeah. people literally have nothing. Their livelihood is to work. Like people are starving. Yeah, people work day to day to feed their family. So there was a huge thing when it very first started. So we were in lockdown initially for the first few months. I think, I can't remember exactly how long. And then there was complete freedom again for a little while after that. And then it wasn't until a few months later in which we went into a complete second lockdown. But the, the second one was all right because I feel like we were all used to it. But the first one was when hundreds of thousands of migrant workers who are working away from their family were walking hundreds and thousands of miles and dying along the way to get home. Some of them were maids at people's houses, um, caretakers, you know, they're working far away from the villages where they live and there was no public transportation going. So they just decided to walk. I feel like that was a pretty crazy story, seeing that in the news and seeing people literally dying, just trying to get home to reach their families. That is. And I know at one stage you even sent me a photo or told me a story about the neighbours that you had and they were a family and she was like a very skinny woman and they were asking you for money just so that they could buy some rice just to be able to have food for just heaps of rice and that was enough to last them for like a week or so. Yeah, I just realized who you were talking about. And exactly. And seeing stuff like that, it makes you feel like fucking hell. Sometimes I think I have nothing, but I have everything I need. Literally all you need is water, family, food, and a roof over your head. And that is what is important in life. So even in the middle of a pandemic, I felt very grateful for the circumstance I was in. You know, I had a safe roof over my head. It was only when COVID started getting into the slums in India, obviously, that is when it also got really bad because there is no such thing as social distancing in those circumstances, you know? Like yeah. how privileged it is to even be in my own house then. And I think that's when sort of panic starts to kick in once it actually got closer to you because it's sort of like if you were to get sick or you needed help, you know, obviously the hospitals and the medical system that they had there had totally collapsed and it was just really dire situation. Yeah, but again, where I was, it wasn't completely bad. You know, it still seemed like pretty normal. I stayed yeah. home a lot and my partner Rahul was the one who only went out and went to the supermarket. But especially for those first few months, it was just like us at home on the balcony, drinking coffee and doing art all day. That was our lockdown. <laughs> yeah, that was your lockdown. So that brings me to my next question. Fast forward, I think it was till July this year, correct me if I'm wrong, when you still had been trying to get home all this time but just quietly trying to come up with ways I know I was googling like crazy all the time like flights and routes and ways that you could come home if we fly through this country if you did this like it was very desperate at this stage uh, yeah. so you had someone reach out to you, somebody from the news what month was that and tell us about oh, that that must have been in about April so I had initially booked my MIQ which is New Zealand's quarantine facility because you have to quarantine upon arrival I had initially booked it three months in advance I think it must have even been four months because I couldn't even get into the country because 
there were so many people trying to get back at that stage and New Zealand's borders were completely closed. Yeah, so for people that don't know, it's MIQ is a system where you have to try and book a hotel room. The availability has to be on the same day that you have your flight. So at that yeah. stage, that was the tricky. So part. even if you found an MIQ spot, you still had to get the flight and land on the exact same day in which you had managed to book the spot in so that was a difficulty in itself for like a couple of weeks straight I'm on there every single day trying to find a spot and see if one opens and then they just weren't opening any other spots for a few months so anyway I digress I had booked a spot for um must have been April yeah because that was when it kept getting cancelled and cancelled so I had been waiting patiently for a few months my flight was the next week and then that is when all the flights got cancelled from Emirates because India's second wave of COVID had hit. So I had a friend reach out to me. Do you want to be on the news? Um, I have a friend who works for One News or something like this, and he's just going to ask you a few questions. And at that stage, I was just livid. And I was so upset to be waiting literally over a year to be able to come home and then have it a week away and then get it cancelled. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And I wasn't literally just some sort of sick torture. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was a different kind of torture. I was literally experiencing panic attacks, really high anxiety. Like it was affecting my day-to-day life so much at that stage because it was just mental torture. Yeah, so I got interviewed by a man on One News. It was such a casual conversation and I just said exactly to him what I was going through. Not kind of putting together that it's actually going to be on New Zealand news and I live in India I don't watch the freaking news and I kind of just forgot how many people actually watch it so you obviously reached out to me and I thought it actually could be a good idea because you know it's some exposure into what the challenges has been Kiwis trying to get home and things like that and I thought yeah it could be actually a really good idea for people to actually get a sense of what the hell is going on outside of like their little bubble so he reached out to you and you agreed and what happened after that well as I said we just had a nice conversation about what was happening I voiced what I was going through and what I was feeling and then yep that happened stress (laughs) it was stressful (laughs) I said it's unfair like I've been trying to get home and trying and trying for months now like it's really affecting my mental health and that was fine I went away I had a swim in the ocean and carried on with my day and then I came back little did I know that the whole of New Zealand would freaking hate me (laughs) so what was the interview on like the six o'clock news yeah it was on the six o'clock news and then there was also a Facebook post with the interview as well prime time and there was just a lot of backlash like I've never felt so hated in my life probably like so many comments that I was just trying not to watch and I was also just having an anxiety attack an absolute panic of oh my gosh what have I done these people hating me because I should have come home I had a chance what am I still doing in India blah 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 just close-minded Facebook comments you know yes this made me so angry like as soon as obviously you were getting messages and people saying like they watched it, which was like from friends being like, oh, you know, I saw you on the news. The other part of that was just like hell, which was the Facebook post. And as soon as it had gone up there, I also couldn't stop reading the comments. And I could not believe just how small minded people are saying, oh, what were you doing even living in India in the first place? Who goes to India? Why didn't you? 
yeah why didn't you try and come home and even like people from Cambridge that have even never even left Cambridge in their lives commenting like sharing Kate's profile and said she's actually not stranded she lives there and owns a business and (laughs) it's like you have no idea about my life like people just assume it's just like that small-minded mentality like you haven't been affected by it personally you've been stuck in your little bubble you don't have family overseas exactly and that is the problem people were just so unaware of what other people are going through even when it doesn't come to pandemics just in life in general that they don't have the compassion and kindness for other people that should be there always it's just the lack of compassion and I think that's the terrible thing about social media is it gives people a platform just to literally like throw people under the mud say what they want and there's no consequences it's a dangerous place oh exactly we could do a whole episode on social media which I think we should actually buddy yeah that is yeah it just takes away that human to human connection like oh you're actually a person going through something you probably need support not hate yeah but the hate was more than anything we could have imagined so you got that taken off (laughs) I emailed him like oh my god this is horrible please take it off please I'm like begging you and then I woke up the next day and he was like okay thanks Kate I'm so sorry I've taken it off (laughs) goodness me it's like I had to remind myself of like how fast people actually move on as well yeah for them it's a fleeting moment in a comment but to you like you were living through that anxiety and hell so that just heightened everything oh absolutely it was like such a personal thing like with every inch of my being I just wanted to be in Australia with Libby in New Zealand but so after all of that (laughs) so you rebooked a flight I rebooked two extra flights three maybe I think they all got cancelled then I got help from the New Zealand government to book another flight and get an emergency MIQ spot because I was actually classed as a vulnerable citizen because India was spiking so much in COVID cases as well so when you finally well, like, this is it. I'm going home. Tell us about the 24 hours that you would just never believe before you were leaving Goa to get to the airport. This is like something out of a movie, but this actually happened. I would never actually this imagine that this would happen. <laughs> like, after all that I've been through, okay, I was going on my flight the next day. Finally, like I've literally been waiting over a year. And what happens that night before I fly out? a hurricane we had no power for 24 hours like my phone and laptop and everything was actually dead we had very very extremely high winds a 40 something year old mango tree fell down outside my house everything was uprooted the power lines down when I say there was no power there was no power and no um, phone reception for two days You just could not read about it. (laughs) Yeah. At one point in the night, I forgot about this. At one point in the night, our whole balcony was flooding so much that it just started coming inside. So Rahul and I were rushing around (laughs) the house with ankle deep in water, trying to get it outside because all the drains were blocked from all the leaves and stuff that had blown in. It's like if someone was testing you, boy, they were just not ready to give up yet. Oh my gosh, so I'm, you like, had... I'm just not supposed to leave India either. What the hell? <laughs> so during this 24 hours, you were meant to be in a car on your way to the airport the next day with no power. What happened then? Rahul had to get on our little scooty and drive to someone's house in order to ask for a taxi driver and where they live because we couldn't obviously order a taxi. So then 
yeah, Rahul went and found a taxi driver, basically, the old school way. Let's <laughs> go find a taxi Word driver and bring them back to our house. <laughs> yeah, um, because obviously we couldn't call anyone. And then that is what happened, basically. It's just like the aftermath, you know, the next day the wind had died down. There's everything damaged everywhere. And I was like, okay, I am leaving India. Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're finally in the taxi on the way to the airport thinking like, holy fuck, this is really happening. And also a little backstory, what people don't know is you had to have a negative COVID test 72 hours pre-departure. You also had to have like a layover in, which country was it? Qatar. Qatar of like 10 hours. So tell us about what happened when you finally got to the airport thinking like, I am on my way home. <laughs> even relaying this I'm like this was actually ridiculous like this is I finally said goodbye to Rahul it was really sad you know we know we're not going to see each other for months and then okay I'm on the plane reset this is good I'm going home yay then I went to the airport waited there for a few hours to board my flight and I wasn't allowed on the plane because (laughs) my negative COVID test had to be done within 48 hours to get into Qatar where I was having my layover even though to get into New Zealand it was 72 hours so I couldn't board (laughs) what (laughs) holy crap so what happened after that when you were like holy fuck I am actually cannot get on this plane I'm in the city what next yeah I was like oh my gosh I want to be in Delhi in the middle of a pandemic nope no thank you so it was literally one o'clock in the morning this is when I was supposed to board my flight and I called the woman who was helping me and I was like I'm not allowed to book the flight no one told me I ne- I'm bawling my eyes out like I can't board the flight panic absolute panic However, long story short, she helped me to book a hotel close by and I had to book another flight for four days later. So I had four days in a hotel in Delhi just waiting until I bought a <laughs> If you could throw anything else at one poor person, you were just stuck in another halfway point. And I just remember waking up and seeing a text message from you about like, please don't contact me. This is what's happened. But like, I'm going to put my stuff to sleep. Like, I just cannot even believe this is my life right now. Yeah, literally. And it was like five o'clock in the morning at that stage when I got there. And I was like, I just need to go to sleep. <laughs> well, what else could you do at that stage besides yeah. fall into to a hit and I think I was just so defeated it's like so defeated at that stage it was like a big cosmic joke really it's so many lessons so many lessons and learnings of just like complete having to actually surrender and accept because everything was out of my control I know but I also feel like no what was there to be learned in that there was nothing to be learned in there there was just like fucking shit and you were just down to me while I'm dead hand (laughs) there was nothing to be learned in there like it's just like cruel yeah so finally then five days later after you had been in this hotel room you got to board the flight I did I finally got to board the flight I flew at three o'clock in the morning with like complete PPA gear I think that's what it's called they had to wear like a mask a whole thing of my head plastic covering you know like a whole nurse outfit I have really yeah. funny photos of that actually to Qatar and then I arrived there at like three in the morning I had literally a 10 hour layover and then it wasn't until I got into that second flight from Qatar to New Zealand which actually went through Australia as well 
and I felt so emotional I just started crying like oh my god there's nothing actually stopping me from getting on to the second flight now like I had gone through security I was not actually believing that I was coming home until I was on that flight like I was I was sure that something else was going to happen well yeah you wouldn't until you were actually like holy shit this is happening but I thought this was happening a week ago (laughs) yeah months ago (laughs) so what was it like when you finally landed back in New Zealand you didn't know which city they were going to put you in because you have to spend two weeks in a hotel at that stage so what happened when you landed and when did you find out where you were going yeah so luckily I ended up in a hotel in Auckland which is just an hour and a half from my hometown in one of the biggest cities in New Zealand and yeah (laughs) just arrived in the hotel this fancy as fuck hotel room which I think usually costs about 500 New Zealand dollars a night was my home for two weeks wow and were you allowed to go outside when you were in the hotel room or what was it like what were the meals like well the hotel itself was really nice the food was okay I got takeaways quite a few times but that's only because I am vegan and fussy and I had not eaten that kind of food for a while. Two of people's favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> Vegan and fussy. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, one of the things that is very close to my heart is coffee. Someone delivered me coffee, which was really nice. Someone delivered me magnesium to sleep because at that stage, my anxiety was so bad from everything I had gone through that I was just needed magnesium to get to sleep. <laughs> wow. And then we were allowed to go out walking a few times a day, but because it was in the middle of the city, we had such a small walking area that it was literally around the car park in the middle of the city. You can imagine how small that was, like a 20 meter circumference, probably. Wow. And I was out there three times a day, but 14 days straight, leading the pack around and around and around this tiny car park. Oh my goodness. But I, think least... I, was getting, I was getting like 10,000 steps in a day, which is more than my average, you know, but like yeah. there's no windows in that room. There was no fresh air. So I was out there every single chance I got. At least you were able to do that. No, though I know with some hotels in Australia, people aren't even allowed to, you're not actually allowed to even go outside. So you're literally stuck inside for two weeks and some people don't even have windows in their room. So that's actually pretty lucky, isn't it? I could not imagine not have being able to go outside and walk. Like that was my saving grace during my quarantine. Well, it's <laughs> enough to save younger. anyone mad, isn't it? So Yeah. And finally... again, I am really lucky. I work online. So I was also working throughout that as well, which keeps yeah. me sane. So finally, you did your two weeks you couldn't believe you actually got to walk out those doors. How are you adjusting to life back in New Zealand? Yeah, well, it has been four months now since I have been back in New Zealand. I feel like I still haven't quite adjusted because I am still waiting to get to Australia. It's been so nice to be back and spend time with my dad and with my brother and other family and friends and see all the girls and stuff. But it's just a different lifestyle in general, I think. <laughs> like it's very fast paced like sometimes I'll ask people what they're doing this weekend and they're like I'm busy until like next month (laughs) I'm like oh you're not free tomorrow like that's how my mind works (laughs) I'll just walk down and see it oh I've got plans (laughs) yeah people have lives so Yeah. yeah it's just getting used to that kind of pace again and I have been here an extra month than I was supposed to because I am still trying to get to Australia and again my flight got cancelled one week before I was supposed to fly 
from here to Australia because of COVID now in New Zealand. So here I am, still living in limbo, living and learning. And all we can do at this stage is hope that you will be here by Christmas. But thank you for answering all those questions. That's sort of all we will be talking about about COVID because we know people are very fatigued. But I thought think that was an important episode so people can get like a different perspective on what it was actually like in like a third world country living through COVID and the troubles that you faced. I'm fascinated and I'm sure other people will be too. (laughs) And just life is not so black and white. So many people go through different things and things are not so easy at the moment, especially during this time. So what a process it was. And I am one of the lucky ones, you know, there's people who have had people pass away and they've not been able to come home for their funerals, like very close family like this. And I won't go into a too somber (laughs) amount of detail there, but you you know what I mean. Yeah, like literally people have never faced as much adversity as they have in the last two years I tell you and everybody is due for some fucking good luck <laughs> it is wild wild world out there folks stay safe yes alrighty so that brings us to our last segment our fairy angel card Kate okay guys so as you know if you listened last week we are pulling a fairy card a peri a peri oracle card <laughs> A fairy for oracle the, card for the you typical word. at the end of our episode. So I'm shuffling. And I think I'm going to pull the card. So you tell me when. But wait a, wait a moment and just think about it. Take a breath. Stop. Sexuality. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay. So this card is a really beautiful fairy and it has the word sexuality on it, which is the note for everybody this week, guys and gals and everyone in between. This is for you to focus on for the coming week. Hit us. And it's finding the affirmation to go Hit with it. with your best shot. The card meaning is your sexual self needs some attention. By drawing this card, you are urged to be honest with yourself about your sexuality and to take appropriate steps. Affirmation is my sexual self is attractive, healthy, and able to experience great pleasure. Wow. So that's it, everybody. That is for you this week. That probably has a different meaning and resonance with everybody, so you can interpret that as you like. But that's what the fairies would like to tell you this week. Thank you, fairies, and thank you, Kate. That brings us to the end thank of you, our episode <laughs> no thank you Gil no thanks <laughs> thanks you guys for listening too much too much too Mickey too Mickey Alrighty. and on that note thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed this episode it was a banger if you liked the episode or loved the episode please go on to Spotify give us five stars tag us on your Instagram stories share the love Show the love. Be the love. Make sure you are following us on Instagram at It's a Twin Thing Podcast. Yes, let us know where you are, what you're doing, and what you thought of the episode. Thank you for listening to It's a Twin Thing Podcast. If you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on Spotify as it helps us a lot with exposure so other people can find the podcast too. 
Or if you like, share with a friend, maybe even the random lady at the supermarket, and tag us in your stories, letting us know that you've joined us for our conversation this week. Feel free to send us a DM on Instagram as well at It's a Twin Thing Podcast. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, we love you. We love you. you. <laughs>